Know one thing, God will never quit on you. God will never quit on you. But what the enemy wants to do is get you to quit on God. Through difficult times, through frustrations, through disappointment, the enemy's going to try to get you to quit on God. Quit on your calling, quit on your life. When you read 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about their life as apostles. And he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's telling them not to lose heart, but to keep on testifying. And he's really speaking of his own heart. I think what's happening is, how many of you know that sometimes when you encourage someone else, you're speaking to yourself? You're speaking the lessons and the word that God's trying to get through to you. And so the the context of what Paul's saying to them is to to keep on walking. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. The writer of Hebrews says, cast not away your confidence in the Lord. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 4. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And he's saying that you can lose heart in ministry. You can lose heart in speaking and in sharing the gospel. You may not be seeing fruit You may not be seeing evidence, but the problem is, he said, do not lose heart. And he said, why do we not lose heart? Because of God's mercy, we have this ministry. Paul understood one thing. He's called of God. He knew that. In the end, brothers and sisters, all you have is your assurance that you were called by God. You know that you're saved by God. And if you're saved by God, you have a purpose. You have a ministry and a purpose, every one of you. It doesn't have to have a label. It doesn't have to have a a position in the church. It is a calling from God everywhere you go every day. You must have that assurance. Paul said, we're not going to give up because I know my calling. And it's by the mercy of God I've been called. So I will not lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? To be discouraged. Back to the lion. How many of you remember the Wizard of Oz? What was the lion seeking? Courage. Courage. Remember he's trembling and he's all scared. He runs out the window. How many people are discouraged? Imagine having courage and then having it dissed. Discourage. Courage taken right out of you. There was a young man in the Bible that had that happen to him. His name was Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul said this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Again, back to his calling. Back to his calling. And he says, you've got to stir up what you know to be true. Stir up the gift. Stir up the calling that God gave you. He said this through the laying on of hands, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 
But Timothy, you're being timid. He said, God did not give us a spirit of fear. That's King James. But the NIV properly renders the Greek. It's a word that's timidity. He says, do not be timid, Timothy. You're a young man. And you're timid because the older folks won't listen to you. You're too young. But there is no age in the kingdom of God. When the Spirit's on you, the Spirit's on you. And he said, stir up that calling. You're a young man, but you've got the calling. You've got the stirring. Stir it up. Don't be timid. The Holy Spirit is never timid. The Holy Spirit is full of love, power, and a sound mind, an ordered life, a disciplined life. Stir up that gift. Don't lose heart. Don't become timid. Don't get discouraged. We lose our courage. We lose our call in the sense for ourselves that we want to give up. But how many of you know the Word of God says the calls and the gifts of the Lord are without repentance? They're irrevocable. He'll not take them back. Don't don't let the devil cause you to think that I don't have what I used to have or I'm not who I used to be. Not with the Lord. You're all that and more. You've got a future set before you. So keep walking. Keep walking. Don't get discouraged. What happened again? Back to that lion in the Wizard of Oz. That wizard was no wizard at all. Was he? So when he gave that lion courage, right? The lion thought, ooh, I'm bold now. I got courage. That guy gave him nothing. You know what he did? Caused him to stir up the gift that was already in him. That's what he did. That's why we come together to worship as one body. All week long, you're ministering in the fields. You're out there ministering and laboring in the fields. And we come together as one body so that we would be encouraged. We would be strengthened. And we'd have our gifts stirred up. So don't be discouraged. And don't lose heart. Galatians 6, 9. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in well-doing or doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. New King James says, or lose heart. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Now, How many of you get weary in well-doing? Paul says... There will be a harvest. You've got to see the future. You've got to know that if you are called by God, you have a hope and a future. You're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has already prepared for you to do. Set, cast your vision. It's there. You've got good works ahead of you. You're going to reap a harvest. But He says there's one thing that will cause your fruit to spoil, your harvest to not be gathered. What is it? Giving up. The devil can't stop your harvest. You're planting it in the kingdom. You're planting into the kingdom of God. He can't ruin the harvest. So what he can do is get you to quit on it. Planting seeds and you give up. And so he wants you to get weary. He wants you to get tired. He wants you to get so disgusted with other Christians. He wants you to get fed up with the church. He wants you fed up with Christians and people till he can get you to a place where you quit on trusting God. God doesn't come through for me. God doesn't do this. God doesn't do that. You cast away your confidence in the Lord. 
But Paul would tell us today, do not lose heart. Men's heart will fail them in these last days for the fear that's coming. We're coming, by, we're coming into great and terrible times. We're coming into times that are going to be amazing. And I believe that as we gather in the church more and more, we've got to hear the voice of the Lord saying, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. Things that are coming are going to be awesome and amazing. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Because we're going to see people coming to Christ. We're going to see these cities round about coming to Christ like never before. We're going to see the church coming together in Detroit like never before. While all eyes are on this city around the world, God is going to do an amazing thing. But we can't give up. Everybody else has given up on this city. Everybody else has given up on these relationships in this community. People are leaving and fed up and giving up. But you keep walking. God needs a remnant of people who will not give up. They see the harvest. They know it's been planted. They will continue to the end. Amen? If there was anybody that could have given up, it was Joseph. How many of you remember Joseph? Joseph was a precious son. Joseph was among the 12 sons of Jacob. And he was favored by Jacob. And Jacob, in fact, made him a beautiful coat. Caused a lot of problems in the family. And, uh, you know, Joseph was about 17 years old, and, and he walked around in his coat. And while the other guys were, were out in the fields working, Joseph would come and bring food and, and do different chores, of course, wearing his coat. Well, that upset the rest of the boys, and uh, they took care of Joseph once and for all. But before that happened, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a vision. Joseph had a vision. That vision became and set the course of his life. He didn't fully comprehend it. He didn't fully understand how the vision would come to pass. But he had a calling. He had a vision. God has called you. God has saved you. God has equipped you. He's got a vision for you. He's got a specific purpose and vision for your life. You can't quit on it. You can't give up on it. The devil wants you frustrated with it. And if you look at Joseph's life, he had a vision from God. And it is at that time when he had that vision and he was sharing it with his brothers, they said, enough! We're through with you. They threw him in a well. They, they were going to kill him. One brother... Uh, interceded for him, so they didn't kill him. That's how mad they were at their own brother. Finally, they got him out of the well and they sold him off and he went into slavery in Egypt. Now, come on. I had a vision. I saw my family, including my mother and father, bowing down to me. How did I end up in a pit? How did I end up as a slave in Egypt? What's wrong with you, God? Maybe I didn't hear right from wasn't me. I misinterpreted this thing. Don't give up on your vision. Joseph then thinks, hey, not bad. Here he was serving in uh, the house of the head slave master. He goes, "Woo! I made it to the top. Maybe my vision's going to come through. And then Potiphar's wife uh, comes along and says, Joey, baby, you are so good looking. You're hot. Come here, boy. Sit right here. 
And Joe, Joe said, no, can't do that. That'll get me in trouble. And so she faked the whole, set them all up, and now he ends up in prison. Where's my vision, God? Where is this? Those brothers of mine sold me out. He spends five years in prison. About, about three years into this thing, there's a baker, the cupbearer, the wine tester. I'm sure there was a candlestick maker in there too. <laughs> they had the whole crowd there. I'm sure they had everybody there. And so he interprets their dreams because he still has what? Vision. He can hear the voice of God. And he says, look, when you get out, will you remember me? Well, the butcher never made it out, but the, but the uh, cupbearer made it out. And he forgot. He ignored Joseph, forgot about him. So happy to get back into his position again. A couple years later, then the king had a terrible, terrible dream. And he asked for someone to interpret. And the cupbearer says, oh, ah, we left Joey in jail. <laughs> There's this guy, and he knows Jehovah God, and he can interpret dreams. So they get him out, and here he goes. And he said, if you can interpret this dream, I'll make you second in command of all of Egypt. And he did. Right? And now what happens is God gives him a vision through that king's vision that there's coming a great drought, coming a great famine in the land. And so what he does is he stores the wheat in silos. And when that that famine comes, they're prepared. They're all set. He's the hero of the day. And wouldn't you know it that because of the famine... Joseph's brothers have to come to Egypt and say, could you help us? He was 17 when they threw him away. He was 30 now. He waited 13 years for some kind of fulfillment for this dream. Some of you have waited double that time. But it's all in God's timing that you don't give up. Now, bitterness certainly could have taken hold of Joseph. But it didn't. Because he understood the sovereignty of God. He understood that God's providence was overseeing all things so that he could tell his own brothers what you meant for evil, God has purposed for good. He has purposed this thing for good. Amen? I don't know where you're at and what you're going through. I don't know how many years you've been in prison. I don't know. I don't know how long that vision and that dream that seems so great seems only but a whisper now. And maybe bitterness has already begun to throw dirt on the thing that's in a grave you put it in. But God says, don't give up. Paul says, don't lose heart. Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that was put in you. Don't have a spirit of timidity. Don't stop. The thing that Paul has was destiny and a dream. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Listen to what he says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Joseph was hard-pressed. He was hard-pressed on every side. You want to break a man? Throw him in a pit by his own family. Hard-pressed, hard-broken. His father wouldn't see him again, and his father thought he was dead. His younger brother, whom he loved, he'd never see again. That's what he thought. 
in a foreign land in a jail somewhere and they continue to forget about him and forget about him and forget about him. In his mind and in his human position, he was the guy who was always overlooked. But not with God. God never overlooks his children. He never overlooks his children. God has never overlooked any one of you. He could have been crushed, but he was not. He was perplexed, most definitely. I don't get it. How many of you spend some of your time in prayer? I don't get it. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't get it. I am completely perplexed. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And it's not happening like I'm praying. We're perplexed. I don't get it. And I've lost people so dear to me. Completely perplexed. As a matter of fact, now that I come to think of it, the night before my father killed himself, I was in church praying for him. 16 years old. Praying unto God, oh God, deliver him, deliver him, deliver him. He killed himself a matter of eight hours later. The other man so dear to me was my brother-in-law, Pat. And uh, he was in a motorcycle accident. And, and I remember he was getting out of ICU and we were th- I was thanking God. I prayed for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Keep him. Make him well. Make him well. And he threw a blood clot and died. That'll perplex you. I don't understand God. But you know what? I can stand here and say it's all right. God's got a way. I understand God has a way through all of this. I might be perplexed, but I am not in despair. Because my hope is in the Lord. And it's beyond this fleshly life. I'll see both of them later. It's all right. God's got a plan. And I'm in agreement with that plan. I will not faint, nor will I lose heart. The enemy wants me to. He says he's not in despair. He goes on and he says, We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Hallelujah. He said, as he went on, Struck down, but not destroyed. How many times was Paul struck down and what did he do? Got back up. And you keep walking. You keep walking. One of the greatest tools of the enemy is woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Poor me. Poor me. You know what? As a saved believer, you're better off than a lost sinner any day. No matter what you're going through. You've got an eternal reward set before you. These people out here have an eternal damnation. And your worst day is still better than their best day. They're lost and going to hell. He said, struck down but not destroyed. He goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 4. He goes on in uh, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. (laughs) That's Paul. Light and momentary troubles. In another book of the Bible, he lists them for us. Shipwrecked, stoned to death, right? Beaten and left for dead. Bitten by snakes, serpents, being heckled by the crowds, people hating his guts. His point of view, well, light and momentary troubles. But he says they're achieving 
for us an eternal glory that outweighs all of our trouble. So you have to have vision. You have to understand what you're going through. What you're seeing is nothing compared to the glory of preaching the gospel, of living for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. There it is, the vision. Do not lose heart because you look to the calling and the vision that you have to see Jesus Christ. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Can you look to the eternal calling? Can you see in the realm of the Spirit what is coming in the next 10 years, in the next 4 years, in the next year? Are you looking in the Spirit for what God's going to do in your household? Huh? In your marriage? In this city? What is God going to do, brothers and sisters? We're the ones who need to be seeing it. We're the people who He's going to have do it. We've got to see. You can't be timid for this. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. There's one place you cannot lose heart. Turn with me to Luke 18. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and what? And not give up. Not lose heart. You must always pray and not give up. Where are you going to stir up your calling? Where are you going to stir up the gift? Paul said, stir up the gift within you. Do not lose heart. He said, God did not give you a spirit of timidity. It's an hour and it's a day where you need to pray with a fervent heart. The fervent prayers of a righteous person availeth much. Jesus said, pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. And this is an awesome story. He tells of a widow lady with a judge. Now, now you've got to look into the culture to understand the gravity of this story. A widow lady in that period of time. First of all, she's a woman. In that culture, she's overlooked oftentimes in important affairs and in, by important officials and people who run things. Secondly, she's a widow. She's got no one else to depend on. She doesn't have a husband who could fight for her. She can't go back. They won't let her in the courtroom. They won't let her plead her case. She's got a situation where here she is, one of the weakest members of that society. That's why Jesus set this thing up that way. She's one of the weakest members of that society. And then you have a man judge. He's a ruler. He's got robes. He's got status. He's got power. But I love what this little old widow lady does. She annoys the heck out of that guy. She persistently asks, persistently bugs him, waiting for him to get out of court. Here I am. Excuse me, judge, you need to hear my case. Come on, lady, get out of my way. Someone get this lady out of my way. He goes to bed and he looks out the window and there she is. You need to hear my case. Wakes up in the morning to the song, you need to hear my case. Opens his door, slam, there she is again. Goes out the back. Goes to work. Little note going down on a piece of string. I'm making all this up. Don't think it's in the Scripture. (laughs) What's my point? Persistence. What's Jesus' point, more importantly? That if this little widow lady, this powerless woman, can get a judge 
to turn and look at her case because of her persistence, her persistence, her persistence. She had courage. She had boldness. She did not give up to plead her case. She knew she was innocent. She knew she was wrong. She prayed. She prayed. Like Joseph, she kept moving forward. She never gave up on the harvest of justice and righteousness. She looked forward to a verdict that was going to honor her. She said, judge, this is what is right. It's what is right. It's what is right. Jesus said, if a sinful judge will finally listen, how much more will your father who is righteous, who loves justice, who will hear the prayers of his own children, answer quickly? Persistence. You know, I've heard this Uh, Some people teach that you don't have faith if you have to ask God three or four times. What? What are you? Then you need to read your Bible again, Mr. Faith Man. Because it says persistence, persistence, persistence. Not as if God's ignoring us, but let's stir up what's within us and not be discouraged. Let's not lose heart. Let's faint not but let's move forward. This is a message that we must take now and share to a world that's on its knees, that's broken down. There are believers that you know that have just about been fed up. They don't think God's hearing. They think the heavens are brass. They don't understand. They need you to say, stir up the gift. Don't lose heart. Keep moving forward. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. You have a vision. You have a dream. God is going to get you through. How many of you know that God wants to deliver you from whatever's besetting you? Everybody here has got some level of besetting sin. God is going to deliver you from that thing. That's the vision He has for you. What He's begun, He's able to complete. God has a vision for your heart. God has a vision for your life. And I'm calling you to stir it up right now. At this time, I'm praying that you will not be discouraged nor lose heart. 